This message by Mike Pluniak was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Mike serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. As we approach the final chapter of this letter, it would appear like the finish line is in sight for our series on 1 Peter. Somewhat sad to think about. 1 Peter has been such a gift to us through a very unique and trying season. God's Word is such a blessing to us and in this unforgettable year, I pray the words of this letter will remain unforgettable to us as well. This morning we have the privilege of studying the first four verses of chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 1. So, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is God's word for us today. Just from the reading of the text, I'm sure you notice that this text is addressed to a specific group of men within the church, the elders or the pastors. And while much of our time this morning is going to focus on the nature and the task of pastoral ministry, I want you to know that this text is intended for the whole church. Peter intended for this to be read to the whole church. And I believe there's application here in these verses for all of us. Whether we are the shepherd that he is specifically addressing here. Or whether we are part of the flock that is being led and cared for. Both the pastor and the congregation need to be united. And on the same page about what pastoral ministry is. So while Peter is addressing the pastors of the church, he wisely invites the congregation to listen in because it affects everyone in the church. And next week as we hit verse 5, he's going to have specific instructions for us to what our response is as a part of the church. And as our text begins in verse 1 with the word so or therefore, Peter is connecting this exhortation to the pastors of the church to the previous section we studied two weeks ago about 
the inevitability of fiery trials and persecution and suffering. If you look at verse 19 of chapter 4, he says, Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. So, pastors, he exhorts the elders coming out of that exhortation. Peter is addressing us, addressing God's people who are suffering persecution, who are tempted to think they're doing something wrong, who are tempted to quit doing good because of the suffering they are experiencing. And over and over throughout this letter, in this unusual year for us, he's been telling us, don't give up, don't quit, don't be surprised when you face persecution, have hope in exile. You're going to suffer. Don't be surprised by this. And then he says, so I want to exhort the pastors of the church to lead and care for and watch the church and lead them through this suffering. The ascended Christ loves his church. He has not and he will not abandon us. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's given us His Holy Word. He's given us one another. And He's given the church shepherds. I think the main point this morning for us is pastors are a gift from the chief shepherd to shepherd you. Pastors are a gift from the chief shepherd to shepherd you. We're going to have three points hopefully drawn from our text this morning. And just to give you a fair warning, we're going to be spending a lot of our time on point one, a little less time on points two and three. Point number one is the pastor's role. The pastor's role. Pastors are a gift from the chief shepherd to shepherd you. What is their role? In verse one, look back at your text. Peter says, so I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, I exhort the elders, shepherd the flock of God. There's three different words in the New Testament referring to the pastor, and we find all three of them in our text this morning. Sometimes referred to as elders, usually speaking of the office, sometimes referred to as shepherds, from which we get the word pastor, and sometimes referred to as overseers, often referring to their task. And so Peter addresses them in verse 1 as the elders of the church, and then Peter identifies himself as a fellow elder. Now, first of all, if Peter tried to do this with this pastoral team, we'd have to call him out on this. If, if Peter sat down with us and he said, I am a fellow elder, we would say, dude, you are an apostle, okay? I believe you were in the boat with Jesus as he calmed the storm. You saw the fish and the loaves multiplied. You saw the leper and the blind man healed and Lazarus raised from the dead. You we're on the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? You're not a fellow elder. You're an apostle of Jesus Christ. But what Peter is doing here is he's, he's coming alongside these elders. And it's like he's putting his arm around them. And he's saying, listen, I, 
I've been in the trenches as well as a fellow elder. And Peter did. He was a leader in the church of Jerusalem. He knew what it was like to care for God's people. Peter was there in the church as Ananias and Sapphira lied about the property they sold and, and, and saying they were more generous than they were, were, were actually were. Peter was there as thousands came to Christ and they were all meeting together and they had needs and they needed places to live and needed to be provided for. Peter was there when the Greek widows were being overlooked and they had to raise up these men to serve and they had to solve problems and they had to protect the unity of the church. He was a pastor when Gentiles were coming to Christ and they were entering the church and they were having to lead and, and to figure out how do Jews and Gentiles worship and live together and love one another. He was there when Stephen, a member of his church, was martyred for Christ. When persecution broke out against his church and his flock was scattered all over the place, Peter was there. He understands suffering. He understands needs. He understands trials. He understands the care and the leadership it takes to preserve the unity of God's church. And so he begins to exhort these elders, but he puts his arm around them and he says, listen, I, I've been there where you are. I've been with a church that has suffered much, and I've had to lead and care for the church through this. And he says not only is he a fellow elder, but he is a witness of the sufferings of Christ. As this letter has made clear, suffering is the pathway to glory. This is the road that our Savior traveled. And he reminds us over and over, this is the road we must travel as well. So don't be surprised by it. And just as we will suffer with our Savior, just as Christ rose from the dead as we celebrated last week, we too shall rise and behold his glory. So yes, we are a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And Peter does this over and over where he directs our gaze beyond our current sufferings to the glory that comes with being a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, we suffer like Christ suffered, but we will rise just as Christ rose from the dead. And so he, he puts his arms around them. He reminds them of the path we must travel. And then he gives the pastors one main exhortation in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd them. I fear that this rich biblical metaphor of the shepherd can be lost on us today. I mean, it's not like we're driving down Pellissippi Parkway and we look along the sides of the interstate and there are shepherds along the road caring for their sheep and we don't have shepherds grazing on the soccer field and meandering through the parking lot down to the Heritage Lake Pond to, to water their sheep. And so we can lose this rich biblical metaphor of being a shepherd. A metaphor which would have been so obvious and meaningful to Peter's original audience can get lost in translation on us today. 
Timothy Lanyuk, who is a, a seminary professor, spent a whole year studying the role of a shepherd. He traveled to the Middle East and he spent time with these shepherds over there. He, he traveled with them and he stayed in their tents and he helped them care for their sheep and he asked them what it takes to be a shepherd. And he describes in his book, while shepherds watch their flocks, the care and attention that each and every sheep requires from a shepherd. He talks about even though they have hundreds of sheep, the shepherd know every single one of their sheep by name. They know their personality, which seemed odd to me because sheep to me have zero personality, but they must have some personality once you get to know them a little bit. And he said they knew each and every sheep. They knew their tendencies. They knew that sheep tends to wander off and so you have to keep your eye on that one or that one can eat too much food. You got to keep your eye on this one and they knew exactly what the sheep required. They knew how to take them to different areas to graze and what kind of plants they needed and their diet. They knew which plants were poisonous and how to avoid them and how to give them a diet that wouldn't upset their stomachs and they, they would keep a watch over the sheep and they would watch out for any predators coming out after the sheep. They were always with them. They never left them alone. And he has this one quote I love in the book. He says, on some high moor, across which at night hyenas howl, there you will find him. Sleepless, far-sighted, weather-beaten, armed, leaning on his staff and looking out over the scattered sheep, every single one on his heart. That is, that is the shepherds they knew. They would have traveled and they would have seen shepherds everywhere and they knew what it meant to be a shepherd. And when you understand the care and the attention and the love these shepherds had, it opens up all kinds of biblical texts for us like Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. It reminds us we are sheep and God protects us. And he has a rod and a staff and he's watching over us. John 10, as Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 1 Peter 2.25, he's already told us, For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. God primarily is our shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. He watches over us and he cares for us and he knows us. He loves us. He protects us. He leads us. He comes after us when we stray. He lays down his life for us. Psalm 23 says we can rest because he is our shepherd. He is leading us. And so when Peter tells them in verse 2, shepherd The flock of God. This this metaphor brought with it a picture and deep meaning to these pastors. It brought with it a deep meaning and metaphor to the members of this church who were hearing this. They knew what that meant for these pastors because they knew what God is like as our shepherd. 
Being a shepherd is a call to feed the sheep. Shepherds are not there to entertain the church. They're bringing the flock to the source of nourishment for their souls, which is the word of God. You may remember this moment after the resurrection. This is in John 21, where Jesus is spending time with the disciples. And it says one morning after breakfast, he has this unique conversation with Peter. Where he says to him, Jesus says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter, who Simon says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus tells him, feed my lambs. And he asks him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then tend my sheep. And then finally, a third time, probably because Peter had denied Jesus three times, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter begins to get discouraged that Jesus keeps asking him this question. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He says, then feed my sheep. It was his main call from the risen Savior to feed the sheep of God. And now Peter takes that call and he passes it off to these pastors and these shepherds in these congregations. And he knows this is the call of a shepherd to feed the sheep, to feed God's people, God's word, so that they can experience God's blessing. Shepherds feed the sheep and shepherds lead the sheep. Look at verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight. The NIV translates that watching over them. Shepherds would often be on a high ground so that they could keep an eye of all the sheep and where they were going and what was going on with them. They are leading the sheep. They are watching over them. They're they're keeping a vigilant eye on how they're doing. People have asked me a lot this year, what's been the hardest thing through this season about being a pastor and I think sometimes you know that there's all these categories in their mind and the thing that I have said over and over and people have asked me is the hardest thing is just not being all together it's just not being able for everyone to be in the same room together so that we can look at each other and we can know how you're doing when you're not here we're we're watching, we're, we're looking out, we're, we're trying to, we want to know, how are you doing? How is this person doing? Are they doing okay? Are they doing okay in their souls? And this year we've tried to, to be in contact with everybody and call everybody and, and reach out and touch, talk to everybody and see how they're doing. But it's been hard. Sunday mornings are such a gift and we are thankful for the live stream. It's been a gift, but it is not optimal. Because there's something about all being together and and being able to talk together and see each other. And I know on the live stream, you can see what's going on here, but but we can't see you and what's going on there. And I I think we probably don't want to see you through there, you know. 
I thought like, hey, we could, we could put people, we can kind of make this a two-way thing, you know, and we can put it up on the screen and see everybody in their homes. And then I thought, we, we don't want to do that, I don't think, you know, force you to actually get dressed on a Sunday morning. But it's not, it doesn't work two ways. We can't see through these cameras to see how you're doing on the other side. Sunday morning is such a gift. Such a gift to, to be together and to hear our voices singing together. It's such a gift to, to be able to talk and catch up and see how we're doing and check on one another. It's a gift to pray together. It's a gift when, when Bill is encouraging us during announcements to come to the parenting seminar. He is watching over the church. He is providing leadership. He is shepherding us. Not because there's any gain to him from us coming, but because he cares for us. Shepherds exercise oversight. They watch over the church. And I know there are temptations at times to not come on Sunday morning. Sometimes the live stream can be easier. I just, I just want you to know we notice because we care for you. And we're watching out for you. And we want to know, how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you thriving in your soul? Are you struggling? Can we pray for you? Shepherds watch over the church. Shepherds protect the church. That's what shepherding is. They're watching out for predators. In Acts chapter 20, as Paul meets with the Ephesian elders for the last time, he knows he's not going to see them again. He gives them this exhortation to pay Careful attention to the flock. And then he warns them. He says, fierce wolves will come in, not sparing the flock. And he tells them, be alert. Watch out for these wolves in sheep's clothing. Listen, I want you to know each and every man on this team wants to protect you from false teaching, from wolves who want to destroy your faith. That's why we created that page, A Christian Response to Our Culture, because we look out there and we see false teaching and unbiblical worldviews, and we are concerned for you. We don't want you to fall into an unbiblical way of thinking. And Paul even says, fierce wolves will rise up among yourselves within the church. And so we watch out for you. And we, we want to be a place where people can come and hear the gospel and can worship God and can come to know the, the forgiveness of Christ. But I'm telling you, if you are coming here this morning and your intention and your goal is to harm somebody in this church, you have a fight coming. Because there are eight shepherds who are watching out for you. Now, if you're here this morning because you're interested in knowing God or the gospel, welcome. <laughs> but if you're here to do harm, you have a fight coming. Because we love this church. And we love these people. And we will do anything to protect them. This, this, this text, while directed to pastors, it's all about the church. It's about the health of the church and the perseverance of the church. The church is being persecuted here, and it, it applies to all of us this morning. Peter even tells them in verse 2, Shepherd the flock of God, that is among you. 
Shepherds are not called to care for all the sheep that are everywhere. They are called to a specific flock assigned by God. And so when we think about being a pastor, it's you we think about. It's your face we see. It's you that we care for. It's you that we pray for. It's you that we want to feed God's word. It's you we want to protect. It's you we carry on our hearts. There's no one on this pastoral team who has any visions of grandeur, who having some ministry out there. We care about you. That's all we care about. And we are aware We are aware we are not the most gifted pastoral team. But man, do we love you. And we care for you. And we will do anything for you. Anything. As a fellow pastor, I could commend every man on this team for the way they care for you. They want to feed you God's word. They want to watch over your souls. They want to protect you from wolves and false teaching. They love you. And they sacrifice and they give of their time. They give their effort. They give their gifts. Everything they have, they give to serve you. Could commend every single one of them. And since this task of shepherding is so important because of God's love for his people. It matters how a pastor does this. Point number two, the pastor's readiness. I warned you we'd spend a little more time on point one. Point two, the pastor's readiness. Peter gives, three, gives these pastors three exhortations on how they are to serve. Verse, look back at verse two in our text. He says, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. They should serve gladly and freely. They have to have a heart for it. You have to be willing to do it. Timothy Lanyuk, who wrote the book about these shepherds, tells a story about spending time with one shepherd, Abu Jamal. And he asked him, What does it take to be a shepherd? Abu Jamal answered, What really matters is that you have the heart for it. And then Abu Jamal began to share his grief. My sons, he said, don't have the heart for this work. And so they don't deserve the business. I'll sell the flocks to someone else before I let my sheep go to those who don't care for them. What was funny about this moment is on this trip, Timothy Lanyuk had taken his 13-year-old son, Jesse, with him. Abu Jamal, as he was describing his sons to Timothy Lanyuk, looked out and saw his son, Jesse, being with the sheep and spending time with the sheep. And he looked at Lanyuk and he said, your son has the heart for the animals. I can see it. You tell him that he can come stay with me I'll give him 200 sheep and a wife. (laughs) That's what Lanyuk did. He began to laugh until he realized that Abu Jamal was not joking about the offer. He said, you tell Jesse to think about it and tell me tomorrow. Lanyuk writes, Jesse was surprised by the offer and seemed wary about the details. 
Having eyed one of the young daughters who might be in the deal, he politely refused. <laughs> but he looked, he looked at his sons. I love this shepherd. He looked at his sons and he said, you know, it doesn't matter that they're my sons. You have to have a heart for it. You have to be willing to do this. You have to have this gladness and joy and willingness to do this. And I want you to know you have happy pastors. Thank you for that. It's just a privilege to be in this church, much less to serve in this church. Earlier in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, remember Peter encouraged us, as each has a gift, use it to serve. Everybody has a role to play in the church. Everybody has a gift from the Spirit of God and, and we all just want to use it to serve one another. You have to be willing to serve. In verse 2, he goes on, they should do this, they should shepherd, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. This requirement might seem a bit perplexing or odd to us today because people in America do not typically pick pastoral ministry as a means to financial gain. Usually not on the top 10 list there. But in some countries, this is a real temptation. When I got to visit Africa and I saw the prosperity gospel being preached there in many churches often it was the pastors who were the wealthiest members of the congregation and sometimes they would boast in all their wealth and their cars and their possessions as evidence of God's blessing on their ministry and not surprisingly many young men wanted to be pastors St. Peter says, this should not be the way it is among you. Not for shameful gain. Praying on the flock is evidence of a predator, not a shepherd. It doesn't mean they shouldn't be paid because 1 Timothy 5 establishes that they should. But it's one thing to make money and it's another thing to serve money. And so 1 Timothy 3, the qualifications for a pastor is not a lover of money. They should be, Peter tells us in our text, not doing it for shameful gain, but eagerly. Serving not because of what they get out of it, but serving because they love the flock. And I think shameful gain here can go beyond just financial gain. It can be position or popularity or power or respect goes against what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and a biblical leader to serve for personal gain and then finally the third exhortation he gives them in the pastor's readiness is that they do it they shepherd not domineering this is in verse three not domineering over those in your charge but being examples to the flock. Can't say it better than Edmund Clowney says in his commentary on 1 Peter. He says, The elder has authority. He is called to exercise a shepherd's oversight. But the under-shepherd is not a stand-in for the Lord. He presents the word of the Lord, not his own decree. 
He enforces the revealed will of the Lord, not his own wishes. For that reason, any undermining of the authority of Scripture turns church government into spiritual tyranny. If church governors add to or subtract from the word of God, they make themselves lords over the consciences of others. They're not a stand-in for the Lord. Our authority comes from the Lord, and it comes from the word of the Lord. And our intention is not to add to or subtract anything from God's word. This is what binds our consciences. This is what leads us in what we are to do. It's everything we need for life and godliness is found in this word. And our intention is to feed this word to you verse by verse so that your heart and your soul and your mind can be informed from God himself. They are not to domineer over those in their charge, but being examples to lead others in humble obedience to God by himself being humbly obedient to God. And I'm sure ringing through Peter's mind were the words that Jesus said when he said, listen, the, the, the Gentiles lord it over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great must be your servant. Humility and sacrificial service are the hallmarks of godly leadership. And every pastor here, we understand and we know that before we are shepherds, we ourselves are sheep. Okay, this this shepherding gig is temporary. It's, it's, part, it's, it's, it's not forever, but being a sheep is forever. It is eternal. So they're not motivated by greed or gain or power and authority. What does motivate them? Finally, point number three, the pastor's reward. The pastor's reward. Verse four. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Over and over again, Peter, along with the rest of Scripture, places our momentary suffering and persecution and trials in the context of where we get to spend all eternity. Remember earlier in 1 Peter, he says, listen, Beloved, for a little while, you may have to endure trials of various kinds. Just for a little while. He has this eternal perspective where he places our persecution and our suffering in the context of where we get to spend all eternity. Listen to Romans 8, 18, where, where Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth Comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It's light. It's momentary. It's just for this present time, but it doesn't last forever. And he says in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears. It's not, it's not if 
the chief shepherd appears. It's when the chief shepherd appears. And I love Will's prophetic word this morning. When we think of when, it may feel like it's been 2,000 years. But man to the Lord, it's been two days. He knows exactly when he's coming back. He is coming back. He rose from the grave. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he is just waiting for his return. And so until then, the flock sticks together and we meet together and we come together and the shepherds are called to to feed us God's word and protect us and to watch over us and to lead us. And we all use our gifts to serve one another because we're all enduring suffering and trials and persecution. And 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 scripture says, if one member suffers, we all suffer together. So in some sense, we're always all suffering together. And he reminds us, listen, there's a day when the chief shepherd appears the ark shepherd the shepherd of all shepherds he is the one that protects us and leads us and guides us he is the one who laid down his life for us to purchase us back from sin and death so that we can be born again to a living hope and he is going to return That's why we serve. That's why we come on Sundays because we long for his return. That's why we lay down our lives for one another, for his sake, for him, because he's the chief shepherd. And he gives this illustration of this unfading crown of glory. I love this because the Greco-Roman world They had these crowns of these leaves they would place on champions' heads. Or a victor in war would come back and they'd place this crown on his head. But it would fade away. It would die. It was fading. And he tells us what's coming is an unfading crown of glory. I know he's kind of applying that to pastors here. But in chapter 1, he's already applied that to all of us. When he talks about this inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. It's coming. It's coming so soon. I know it feels like we've been suffering and we're enduring this persecution. He says, listen, just hold on because he's coming back. And when he comes back, there's no more trials, there's no more sin, there's no more suffering, there's no more disease, there's no more cancer, there's no more COVID, there's none of that. It's just glory. We get to be partakers of glory. We get to be with Jesus. We get to see what Peter got a glimpse of on the Mount of Transfiguration as he saw Jesus shining like the sun. We get to be with him. And so for now, He's given us each other. He's given us the church. He's given us pastors as a gift so that we will endure till that day. So that when he comes back, we'll be ready for him. That we'll long to see our chief shepherd returning and that we get to be with him for all eternity in the glory of his presence. That It's what we're waiting for. That is what we long for. That is why we serve. That is all of our hopes and wishes and dreams come true as we sang about this morning. And that is our motive. That's our goal in the local church. Pastors are a gift from the chief shepherd to shepherd you. Let's pray. Father, 
thank you for this local church. I thank you for every person here this morning that I've been thinking about and praying for this week. Father, nourish our souls this morning from your word. Encourage our souls. Protect us from wolves. Protect us from those who would seek to destroy our faith. And Father, I thank you for the pastors of this church. Men from whom I've learned so much from and been cared by. Men who have been examples to me of what it means to live a godly life and to lead their families for your glory, God. Protect this team, protect these men, protect this church, Lord. May we be a church that endures to the end by your grace, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Mike Pluniak during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.